Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. This is a big one, my friends. The Awan family scandal is absolutely enormous, and I truly beg for your patience as we work through the rather sinister underworld of the machinations that has been occurring among the Democrats and the congressmen and the DNC. This is, I believe, going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, political scandal in American history. Way bigger than Watergate, way bigger than sloppy blowjobs in the Oval Office. We are a long way from the fictionalized West Wing looking at the dark heart of leftist politics in the very heartland of America. Just before I start, I wanted to give a shout out to the Daily Caller News Foundation's Luke Rosiak, who spearheaded the coverage of the story. I hope I do some of his material justice. I hope there's some damn justice anywhere in this story. So let us start. On February 2nd, 2017, Democrat hired information technology workers Abi Dawan, Imran Awan, Jamal Awan, Hina Alvi, and Natalia Sova were barred from the House of Representatives computer networks barred from their networks. The Awan family members are currently under criminal investigation by U.S. Capitol Police after it was discovered that congressional information was being funneled to an off-site server and various equipment had been stolen. Now, we're talking some pretty serious infiltrations here. If this is what is occurring, three members of the intelligence panel, five members of the House Committee on Foreign Affairs were among the dozens of congressional members who employed these suspects on a shared basis. And these committees, of course, deal with some of the nation's most sensitive issues uh, and documents, including those related to the war on terrorism. Five House staffers were accused of, and I quote, stealing equipment from members' offices without their knowledge and committing serious, potentially illegal violations on the House IT network. Due to the nature of the work, the suspects had full access to the emails and sensitive documents of dozens of congressional members who employed them, including multiple members of the Homeland Security, Foreign Affairs, and Intelligence Committees. Imran Awan was born in Pakistan, and it is reported that he regularly spent significant portions of the year in the country while supposedly working on Capitol Hill. Now, Pakistan, of course, has a history of collaborating with any and any number of foreign countries who have prior demonstrated a willingness to do more than influence but actually interfere in U.S. politics. Since 2005, Imran Awan provided IT services for now former Democratic National Committee chairwoman and current Florida Democrat Representative Debbie Washerman Schultz, in addition to a large number of other representatives as he has worked on Capitol Hill since the early 2000s. This is absolutely astonishing and astounding and deep stuff. There are some congressional technology aides who believe that the R1s have been blackmailing representatives because, of course, they've had access to their files, their documents, their emails, potentially, because these representatives, they are displaying this unwavering Stockholm Syndrome, staring blankly in the sun, children of the corn devotion to these former IT workers, these former IT aides. So this is astonishing. Now, given how sensitive this information is, what was the security process that went through? What was the vetting process? What was the security training that went on? How did these people get clearance? Well, with any luck, over time, we will find the answers to these and many more troubling questions. Now, not long after Imran began providing IT-related services to Congress, his brother Abid in 2005 and the wives of Imran and 
Abid Awan, Hina Alvi and Natalia Sova also started receiving congressional paychecks as of 2007, so a good old decade ago. In 2014, 20-year-old Jamal Awan was also placed on the congressional payroll, making a surprisingly high $160,000 a year. 20-year-old guy. No Americans, no local Americans, no Native Americans who might have been able to do that job. Now, since July of 2009, the Awan family has been paid at least $4 million. Some estimates go as high as $5 million for their government work as shared congressional employees. These congressional offices, they kind of work like mom and pop shops. And this is, I guess, how they dealt with their IT issues. So approximately 80 different House Democrats had a member of the Awan family on their payroll as an IT employee at one time or another. 80. It has been reported that several IT companies offered their services to Congress at significantly reduced rates compared to the pricey Awan family, yet they were repeatedly turned down, sparking concerns about potential blackmail. And I want you to keep all this in context and in perspective, my friends, as we hack our way through this undergrowth. I want to return to this point that there were many other people who would be willing to do this job, who would have viewed a... um, contract with Congress to be something they could put on their website in their brochures, uh, who would have been uh, not surrounded with as many red flags and, and problems as this Awan family. So why were they hired? Why did they continue? Given the reluctance of many Democrats to fire the suspects as questionable information about their background became known, the blackmail concerns mentioned earlier may in fact hold water, which means that for 10 years, 12 years, however many years. What has happened to the legislative agendas? What has happened to the loyalties? What has happened to the independence of various Democrats who may have had information accessed by this uh, family, with these people? It has also been widely reported that Imran and his younger brother Jamal did the majority of the work assigned to family members and associates. The other family members and associates are speculated to be no-show employees who collected bloated paychecks without performing much or any work. (laughs) I guess they would fit right in in Congress, sometimes it seems. Now, standing rules prevent staffers from making more than actual members of Congress, but adding no-show employee family members could have allowed Imran to perform the tasks and benefit from added salaries. And this is important. Why would these decisions be made? It makes virtually no sense in any kind of free choice environment. It is also reported that Imran hired an old high school friend, Hasib Rana, to assist with the workload, but Rana wanted to quit within months as he was made to do all the work. Hasib's father, Tanbir Rana, backed up those claims, noting that, quote, after three months he wanted to leave. We were having a very charged relationship with Imran. Hasib was not satisfied with their behavior. Texas Democrat Representative Joaquin Castro spokeswoman Erin Hatch said, as of 2-2, Jamal Anwan's employment with her office has been terminated. This is, of course, after they were barred from the computers. New York Democrat Representative Gregory Meeks, March 1st, 2017. This is a month after 
the investigations began, this potential illegal activity was beginning to be examined and people had been barred from networks they had had, I assume, administrator access to for years. Gregory Meeks said, As of right now, I don't see a smoking gun. I have seen no evidence that they're doing anything that was nefarious. I wanted to be sure individuals are not being singled out because of their nationalities or their religion. We want to make sure everybody is entitled to due process. They had provided great service for me, and there were certain times in which they had permission by me, if it was Hina or someone else, to access some of my data. And here, of course, you can see, post-OJ, it feels almost inevitable, that because these um, men and women this, uh, are Muslims and Pakistanis, that people are going to start crying political correctness and targeting and Islamophobia and this and that and the other. So political correctness may have kept people from evaluating these employees on a rational or objective basis. You know, diversity, if it has a chance of working, everyone has to be under the same rules. You can't be pulling the race card, the religion card, and all that kind of stuff to get out of stuff. And here's the thing, too. Listen, I, I worked in IT for many, many, many years at an entrepreneurial and executive level. And uh, I've helped a lot of people with their computers I can't imagine a scenario where, and I show one at someone's office and the guy says, oh, I can't print or, oh, I can't connect to the internet or my computer's running slowly. And I say, well, let me have a look at the contents of your emails. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. <sighs> IT support is about form, right? The infrastructure, the, the, the drivers, the networking and so on. It's not about the content of what's on the computers. You should have no need to access Data, you know, you drop your computer in to get a video card upgraded, and they're not like, I'm sorry, I need to log in and have a look at your documents. It's like, that's not how it works. Ohio Democrat Representative Marsha Fudge, May, March 1st, 2017, said, Imran Awan needs to have a hearing. Due process is very simple. You don't fire someone until you, you talk to them. Right, see, <laughs> Democrats are, are all about due process, which is why they'd never, ever push something as outlandish as Russia hacked the election, you know, even after a year of investigation with no proof or real evidence of any kind. Due process is so important. You don't make accusations without evidence, right? Jesus. Michigan Democrat Representative Sandy Levin spokeswoman Hillary Chambers, March 27, said, After being notified by the House Administration Committee, this individual, Abbott, was removed from our payroll. We are confident that everything in our office is secure. Okay, I'm not going to try and pull the, the two women talking about tech card, but I just want to point out, how would you know? Stuff's been going on for five years, ten years, or more, maybe. But don't worry, everything is secure. How, how do you know? The investigation has just started. You've no clue. You're just making silly sounds with the breathing hole. Missouri Democrat Representative Emanuel Cleaver said, I hear two sides of the story. Some people say it's because he's Muslim that he's being railroaded. Other people say he made some bad decisions. I don't know enough about it. Emails? This is the first I've heard about that. You mean the one from the election? This is the first I've heard of that. Talk to me tomorrow because I don't know enough about it to be intelligent. Ah, uh, Emmanuel, I'm not sure that one day is going to make much of a difference in that. It's been known since February the 2nd. A month or more later. This is bigger than WikiLeaks. You have no idea? No idea whatsoever. Maybe, oh, I've got an idea. Maybe, just maybe, it's because the mainstream media has spent recently a grand total of 37 seconds 
talking on television about this stuff. House Minority Leader and California Representative Nancy Pelosi. I'm afraid we're going to dip into full-on word salad mode here, so I'm sorry for this is what she said. May 25th, 2017 said, I'm not sufficiently understanding the situation to make any concern about it, but there are plenty of people who are under in investigation who still have their jobs. I think that we need to strengthen our internal controls in terms of how we do vending in the future to make sure these things don't happen again. <sighs> yeah, vending. It's all about getting a candy bar from a machine in a darkened hallway. Co-chair of the Democratic National Committee and Minnesota Democrat Representative Keith Ellison, May 2017, a couple of months later, he says, I'm at a massive disadvantage because I don't really know the issue at all. May not be the only reason you're at a massive disadvantage, just a possibility. New York Democrat Representative Hakeem Jeffries said, We had instant communication with Capitol Police about any potential breaches, and nothing has been called to our attention as it relates to all of this. I can't speak to any other offices, but they haven't sounded any alarm bells with respect to personal information or sensitive information that may have been misappropriated from our office. How would you know? Have forensic IT experts examined all the servers and their logs? These guys came back in. Were they covering up their tracks? How would you know? Everyone's just hoping to make sounds to make everyone think that it's somehow going to blow over. Maybe because so many people are compromised. I don't know. But when you've had a potential bad actor rummaging around in the servers for an untold number of years doing an untold number of things, guess what? You have to assume everything is compromised. You have to assume that there are no secrets left at all anywhere and that anyone can get access to anything that was ever on those servers. That would be my approach, but what do I know? I already ran the R&D department of a software company for years and years. Well, Debbie Washerman Schultz, my former head of the DNC and apparently part-time Vandegraaff generator participant, outright refused to fire Imran Awan until after he was later arrested, more than five months after Capitol Police revoked the Awan's access to the congressional IT system, and it was clear a significant investigation into wrongdoing was taken, taking place. See, this is important. So he, uh, he and, and other people are now denied access to the computers. There's an investigation into the potentially criminal activities and accesses. There was uh, there have been talk of of them reselling back at higher prices uh, stuff, uh, IT hardware and so on from uh, for Congress. But Debbie Washerman Schultz continues to happen around. Uh, she moves him to a consultancy position. We'll get into that. But uh, so he's banned from the network. But maybe he could just sit down at her computer. Hey, what's your login? Oh, are you logged in? Oh yeah. Washerman Schultz simply changed Awan's role to an advisor to circumvent the Capitol Police's computer network ban and keep him on the payroll. You're not allowed into these computer networks because you're an employee. Washerman Schultz is like, hold my beer, I can fix that. We'll change his role to that of an advisor. That's not really the point. Now, of course, typically extensive background checks are done for individuals who would have access to such important information. But serious red flags in the past of the Awan family members makes one question whether enough due diligence was done before hiring these individuals. And 
Just remember, dozens if not hundreds of other companies, competent companies, good companies would have been happy to do this work. So, when we look at court records, we look at official documents and interviews with third parties, there are strong suggestions that the individuals may have engaged in tax fraud, bankruptcy fraud, insurance fraud, extortion, and a litany of other, well, let's just say, unsavory acts. And really, when it comes to giving people access to some of the most sensitive data, the most sensitive documents, the most sensitive emails, the most sensitive information in the U.S. government, you, you can't find people without these kinds of histories. Just not possible. Now, Imran has been convicted of driving offenses as high as criminal misdemeanors, was charged with driving an unregistered vehicle and using an illegal radar detector. Not so big on the law. Not so big on obeying the law. Not so big on obeying rules. So that's who you want rummaging around your war on terror documents. Abid's record includes being found guilty of drunk driving approximately a month before being hired to work in Congress and an arrest for public intoxication shortly after beginning his government employment. So I think we can say not a fundamentalist Muslim. He's also been charged with driving with a suspended or revoked license. He has accrued 19 overall violations since 2009. Investigative journalist Luke uh, Luke Rosiak of the Daily Caller has written, As some of Capitol Hill's highest paid employees, the brothers had to submit financial disclosure statements to Congress, but Abid attested that he had no liabilities. Imran checked no when asked whether his spouse had any income, even though she was making a top salary from the same employer reviewing the disclosure documents. The disclosures also ask about rental income, but the Awans often listed either no or little rent payments received. So you you understand. (laughs) Financial disclosure documents. You are hiring the guy and his wife, and he says, oh, my wife has no no income. I, I don't even know this level of incompetence, foolishness. All I can conclude is that the show Veep is actually a documentary. Now with evil. Oh, and as far as little or no rent payments received, they, this family has a lot of rental properties and some pretty hinky and under-the-table payment methods from the tenants. All right. Cars International, the new CIA. In 2009, Abid Awan was also running the regular operations of an additional family business, Cars International A, LLC, a full-time car dealership located in Virginia. See, now that's what you want from an IT guy, uh, is for him to be having, you know, a, a big job on the outside that involves a lot of time. According to court documents, Abid had full control of... CIA, Cars International A, while also being paid $165,000 a year for his information technology work for various congressional representatives. This um, CIA, the car business partner, Anasir Katak, said, Imram later acted as owner since CIA was considered family business by the Awans. It was very bad record-keeping in Cars International. It is close to impossible to make any sense out of all the transactions that happened. Having lost my and Abid's collective investment of $500,000 due to Awan's mismanagement, CIA was further in debt $400,000 to other creditors. 
There was later a dispute between Katak and the Abans regarding a loan default and who now legally owned the business. Katak insisted that Iraqi political figure Dr. Ali al-Attar was now the legal owner after the Awans defaulted on a $100,000 loan. But the Awans refused to hand over control. Ah, Dr. Ali al-Attar. An Iraqi political figure. We will get to more of him in a moment. Now, strangely, Abi Dawan even disputed the existence of Dr. al-Attar in court documents. And I quote, If, as suspected, all of this is a charade, particularly if it is learned the mysterious Dr. al-Attar doesn't exist or didn't sign the documents, then the whole matter rises to a higher level. Ah, the imaginary enemy defense. In 2012, Adi Dawan declared bankruptcy, discharging over $1 million in debt. Hey, how do you feel about that as a bank customer and somebody else who has to pay higher interest rates because this guy defaulted? Now, somehow... Despite discharging over a million dollars in debt, he somehow managed to keep his ownership of two houses while claiming to creditors that he had no assets from which to pay them. Adid signed a sworn statement claiming that he and his wife, Natalia Sober, were separated and needed individual residences. Right? If you're married, you both live in the same house. If you're separated, you could say, well, they're both primary residences, I assume. Adid Awan said, My spouse and I are legally separated under applicable non-bankruptcy law, or my spouse and I are living apart other than for the purpose of evading the requirements of 707B2A of the bankruptcy code. Despite his claims, Adid and Natalia remained married. Financial distress or bankruptcy is typically a major red flag for individuals who may have access to sensitive government information, right? Because if you're in debt, if you're going towards bankruptcy, who do you owe the money to? Are you desperate? Do you need help? Are people going to play upon your vulnerabilities in order to compromise your integrity? And and how do you expect to get away with all of this? Oh, that's right. I imagine that you expect to get away with all of this because you were certain that Hillary Clinton would win the election. Well, Washington Schultz is apparently quite distressed at what is happening now which I can't imagine would have happened under Hillary. So Katak, the business partner, expected fellow creditor Rayo Abbas to join him in a lawsuit against the Awan brothers, but after Katak threatened to sue, surprisingly, Adas sided with the brothers against Katak. And as we'll see from the stepmoms reporting, uh, the Awan brothers can be pretty persuasive when they want to be. So oddly enough, Abbas appeared on the congressional payroll around the time, receiving an estimated $250,000 in payments. Huh. How interesting. So he's a creditor to this bankrupt business, or this business that's uh, going under. And he's going to sue, and then he doesn't. Next thing you know, he gets two hundred and fifty grand in payments from the congressional payroll. And this is why we can't have nice things. Abbas reportedly lived in the basement of a property that Imran Awan's wife Hina owned and rented to a woman named Crystal Perpignan. Perpignan told the Daily Caller that, quote, Rayo did appear to be home most days, end quote, instead of working, and noted that he had previously lost his job working at McDonald's before being employed as a congressional IT aide. Right! I have interviewed thousands of people, hired hundreds of people over the course of my career in IT. Sure! Absolutely. One of the first questions you get is, 
what do I need to do to win this job? And I'll say, well, you know, this does involve accessing highly classified systems. So uh, if you've if you've lost your job at McDonald's, that's all the approval that I need. McDonald's may not have any use to you, but I know of a highly secure and confidential IT system that needs your infiltration. I mean, it needs your attention, your help. <sighs> sure. Fired at McDonald's, pick up a quarter million dollars from Congress. Sounds legit. So, Perpignan, the renter, was reportedly instructed to make her rental checks payable to the basement-dwelling Abbas instead of the landlord. See? Not a lot of rental income, apparently. And now we turn to Dr. Ali Al-Attar. Quite colorful, often seemingly quite corrupt. Born in Baghdad, Iraq, to Iranian parents, he plays an interesting role in the Awan family scandal. Moving to the United States to practice medicine in both Virginia and Maryland, Attar's business partner, Dr. Abdul Fadul, allegedly defrauded both public, Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurance agencies by billing for medical procedures, which did not happen. Ah, Pakistan, Iraq, like Mexico, not always sending their best. In 2009, Attar's license to practice medicine in Maryland was suspended due to questionable billing practices and an additional investigation into unprofessional conduct involving sexual relationships with patients. Yes, that's plural and plural. The Federal Bureau of Investigation also raided the offices of Attar and Fadul, but strangely, no criminal charges were ever filed. 2009 plus. Was that under Obama? I'm pretty sure that was. Fadul was later sued by the Department of Health and Human Services for $814,315 related to fraudulent charges. In September 2011, Attar's license to practice medicine was completely revoked. In 2012, a federal grand jury indicted Fadul and Attar on charges of conspiracy to defraud the United States by attempting to hide their true income and aiding in the preparation of false Tax returns. Attar escaped prosecution by fleeing the United States and returning to Iraq. Maryland Federal Prosecutor Spokesperson Marsha Murphy said, He's a fugitive. I am not aware of any extradition treaty with Iraq. If or when he returns to the U.S., the prosecution will continue. Yeah, apparently, you just keep your passport. Around the time he fled the country, Attar made the $100,000 loan to the Cars International A car dealership controlled by Abid and Imran, Imram Awan. The dealership was hemorrhaging money at the time of the loan, racking up an estimated $400,000 in debt to various creditors. Why? Why? Why would you make this loan? According to his business partner, the books were a mess. He already had another job, uh, which I guess was kind of full-time. Why would you make this loan? Former Central Intelligence Agency, now we're switching CIAs. Just follow if you can. I'm sure you can. Former CIA Officer Philip Giraldi said, in late 2002 and early 2003, U.S. Deputy Secretary of Defense Paul Wolfowitz regularly met secretly with a group of Iraqi expatriates, consisting mostly of Shias, but also including several Sunnis, who resided in the Washington area and were opponents of the Saddam Hussein regime. Hmm. Remember that lead-up to the war in 2003? There was a kind of narrative. And it turns out we have found one of the sources of that narrative, and he's showing up again. 
CIA officer Giraldi goes on to say, the Iraq advisors provided Wolfowitz with a now familiar refrain, i.e. that the Iraqi people would rise up to support invading Americans and overthrow the hated Saddam. They would greet their liberators with bouquets of flowers and shouts of joy. The Iraqis were headed by one Dr. Ali A. Al-Attar. So this fine, now ex-doctor, I suppose, delivered the narrative that delivered the invasion of Iraq unto America and the West. Invasion of Iraq killed hundreds of thousands of Iraqis, tens of thousands of Americans, destabilized the region, strengthened Iran, threatened Israel, and helped destabilize Syria and Libya. Other than that, it was a great idea. Oh, and also remember, Iranian parents. This guy is promoting a narrative to destabilize or invade Iraq, which strengthens Iran, the country of his parents' birth. You see how this works? New York Times, April 11th, 2003. Dr. Ali Al-Attar, a father of three with a thriving internal medicine practice in McLean, Virginia, a suburb of Washington, said that he was one of four people chosen by General Garner to reestablish the Iraq Ministry of Health and that he expects to be called to Baghdad next week. Former CIA officer Philip Giraldi says, Late in 2012, Attar was observed in Beirut, Lebanon, conversing with a Hezbollah official. That's terrorism for those who aren't up on the H's. <sighs> so, yeah. This guy accused of uh, sexual relations with his patients and tax fraud and all kinds of stuff. Sure, He's going to tell America who to invade and what, what's going to happen. Good Lord. Attar has been accused of working to provoke the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003 and as a first-generation Iraqi with Iranian parents and ties to questionable individuals, one can't help but wonder if the motivations behind this might be to help Iran, perhaps. And man, that's wrong. That's just so wrong. It is not your job to manipulate U.S. foreign policy and military power for your own interests. That's the job of the Israelis. Come on, man. To provide further information on the character of the Awan brothers, one can examine the way they allegedly treated their stepmother, Samani Galani, apparently everyone has to rhyme, as documented in a police report and legal statement. Galani alleges that she was kept from the deathbed of her terminally ill husband, as the Awan brothers threatened both her and her family in Pakistan, fraudulently took control of their dying father's life insurance policy and spied on her using listening devices. Fairfax Police Report, Thursday, January 5th, 2017. Quote, Samani Galani called DPSC after her stepchildren were denying her access to her husband of eight years, Muhammad Shah, who is currently hospitalized. Upon arrival, Samina indicated she did not speak English and an Urdu translator with language line was used. Samina stated her husband has been in the hospital for several months and she has visited him several times. She stated she was denied access at her last visit. I'm just seeing these numbers rolling like an odometer attached to the space shuttle of cost to the taxpayers of all of this. Fairfax police uh, say, I made contact with her stepson, Abid, who responded to location and was obviously upset with the situation. He stated he has full power of attorney over his father and produced an unsigned, undated document as proof. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. 
He stated his father is undergoing cancer treatment and Samina is causing more stress upon him and the family. He refused to disclose his father's location. I was further advised that her husband did not want contact with her at this time, but was scheduled to return to the house within a week. Sure. Been in the hospital for cancer for months, but yeah, he's he's just about to come home, right? Never happened. On May 18th, 2012, Muhammad Shah created a life insurance policy worth $50,000 and listed his wife, Samina Gilani, as the primary beneficiary with a 100% share. On November 16th, 2016, this is uh, two months before his death, the insurance company received an ownership change form signed by Shah requesting the policy owner be changed to his son, Abid Awan. On or around December 16th, 2016, the insurance company received a beneficiary change request form signed by Awan requesting that the primary beneficiary of the policy be changed to himself. Shah died on January 16, 2017, and on February 2nd, the insurance company, Americo, received a claim requesting the $50,000 policy be paid out to Abid Awan. Jilani filed a notice with the insurance company alleging the, quote, beneficiary changes to the policy were procured through fraud. And Americo asked the court to resolve the dispute. And your premiums go up and your taxes go up and all of these people are just leeches in your wallet. The suit also alleges that Jamal Awan falsely attested on the death certificate that his father was divorced when such was not the case. See, he says he's divorced to keep his houses, says his father is divorced to lower the chances that... anyway. On April 14, 2017, Samina Gilani's statement was included in a filed complaint for interpleader in Fairfax County, Virginia court related to the Americo Financial Life and Annuity Insurance Company, AFL, versus Abid, versus Abid A. Awan and Samina Ashraf Gilani case. Samina Gilani, stepmom, February 9, 2017. Quote, During his visit to Pakistan... Mr. Ashraf, the husband, got sick in Pakistan and got admitted in a hospital in October. Due to his severe health conditions, he was brought back to the USA and was taken to the local hospital the same day of our arrival in USA. It was first week of October. During his illness, while Mr. Ashraf was in the hospital, his children barred me from seeing Mr. Ashraf many times. Last time I was taken to Mr. Ashraf was 12-31-2016. Between 12-31-2016 and 01-16-2017, I was completely denied by Mr. Ashraf's children to visit him in the hospital. Meanwhile, all relevant papers and two laptop computers were also taken from my house illegally without my permission or knowledge. During Mr. Ashraf's illness, while he was admitted in hospital, my telephone conversations were taped and some other recording devices were also installed, planted in my house at Redacted. I was directed by Mr. Ashraf's children not to go out or to visit Mr. Ashraf without the children's permission. Only the children will decide when to see Mr. Ashraf. Samina Gilani, February 9, 2017. Quote, Sometimes between 12-21-2016 and 01-16-2017, believed to be on January 6, 2017, I called the local police to find out the whereabouts of my husband, Mr. Ashraf, since I was completely blacked out about my husband. I had no knowledge of my husband nor of his health conditions. 
I did inform this situation to the police over the phone and in person when the police arrived at my house. At that time, one of Mr. Ashraf's son, Abid Awan, showed up and spoke to the police and painted a picture of family matter to the police. Right after the police left, Mr. Ashraf's, another son, Shahid Imran Awan, showed up and threatened me for calling the police. Mr. Shahid Imran Awan threatened that he is very powerful, and if I ever call the police again, Mr. Shahid Imran Awan will do harm to me and my family members back in Pakistan and one of my cousins here in Baltimore. Now, these are the guys you want in your IT department. She goes on to say, Mr. Shahid Imran Awan did admit to me that my phone is taped and there are devices installed in the house to listen to my all conversations and that he will remove all these devices next day. Of the police calling, Mr. Shahid Imran Awan came back to my house at Redacted and removed something from under the kitchen counter and living room from behind the printer. After he left, I checked under the kitchen counter and found some marks and took pictures of that place. Pictures are sent to you. This is the guy. Debbie Washerman Schultz did not fire. Here's another fun thought. Pretty good with the listening devices, pretty good with bugging reportedly and recording people's phone calls, phone conversations, and perhaps their private conversations in their offices. 80 congresspeople, 80 offices he's got access to. (sighs) Samina Galani, February 9th, 2017, goes on to say, worth mentioning here that Mr... Shahid Imran Awan introduces himself as someone from U.S. Congress or someone from federal agencies. Mr. Shahid Imran Awan also demanded me to sign a power of attorney to Mr. Shahid Imran Awan for Pakistani properties, and at one point I was going to sign, but then I decided to leave my house and requested my sisters to arrange my departure from that location. My cousin was also tactfully informed and threatened that Mr. Ashraf's children are very resourceful and powerful and that he should protect him, his wife, and his children from these people. He was told that they are Dons, Badmash, Loghain. I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm pretty sure it does mean that they're available to perform at children's parties. She goes on to say, In Pakistan, Mr. Shahid Imran Awan manages to have police mobile based on his position in U.S. Congress or federal agencies to escort him during his visit to Pakistan. There are many people who have this knowledge that my phone conversations were taped and my conversations inside my house were being recorded. Right. This guy reportedly involved in bugging and recording the conversations on the phone and in her house with his own stepmom, but I'm sure he never listened into anything in congressional offices or never listened or never bugged anyone because, you know, the guy's got some standards. See what I'm talking about? This is huge. She goes on to say, the stepmom, It was very unusual and strange that even other friends and relatives were also denied access to Mr. Ashraf during his illness. My cousin's calls were turned down many times and he was always told that Mr. Ashraf was asleep due to his painkiller medications and that Mr. Ashraf couldn't talk. My cousin never had a chance to speak to Mr. Ashraf. Sometimes, after mid-November 2016, there is a whole lot to tell which I can't put in one email. Little bit of the behavior of these children in the past. On August 25th, 2007, in a fatal road accident in Pakistan, Mr. Ashraf's first wife, Mrs. Tahira, and the driver, Mr. Shabir, were killed, and Mr. Ashraf nearly missed. Mr. Ashraf was badly injured in that accident. Huh. Maybe 
They missed a bit of the driving genes, father and son. Mr. She goes on to say, Mr. Ashraf received some compensation amount because of this tragic accident. From where? Insurances and government benefits. As per Mr. Ashraf, his son, Shahid Imran Awan, took Mr. Ashraf all money fraudulently by signing legal documents pretending to be Mr. Ashraf. As Mr. Ashraf had stated in his life, Mr. Ashraf's son, Shahid Imran Awan, and Abid Awan, a brother, together performed this fraud. After taking his money, Shahid Imran Awan purchased real estate real estate properties with that money. The houses in which both brothers are living now believed to be purchased from that money. It is not confirmed, she says, but Mr. Ashraf reported this fraud to the local police and then withdrew his report at that time. However, Mr. Ashraf did mention this story personally to me many times. Also, he had mentioned this story to other people in the community. Again, Luke Rosiak from the Daily Caller says, Their father despised his son's behavior so strongly he changed his last name to Shah, his son-in-law's surname, according to court records and relatives. As part of the lawsuit, the Awan brothers provided a video of their clearly incapacitated father signing the management of his insurance policy to Abid as they laughed in the background. Shah signing the management of the policy over to Abid did not remove Samina Gilani from the plan, so it is unknown if the dying elder approved of such a decision. So this guy apparently disliked his son's behavior so much he changed his own family name, but more than happy, apparently, to sign over his insurance to these same sons at the expense of his wife. Now, on July 26, 2016, WikiLeaks began publishing emails from the Democratic National Committee. Now, we know what was in a lot of those emails, the shafting of, of Bernie Sanders and so on. But what about these Awan family IT workers who were around? Well, one of these emails that were published by WikiLeaks contained an exchange which confirms that Imran Awan had access to then-DNC Chair Debbie Washerman Schultz's email, username, and password. DNC Deputy Director Garrett Bonoski, May 4th, 2016, email, quote, Amy, I will call you shortly. I have to get this iPad thing figured out. Need to make sure I have her username and password. DNC assistant to the chair, Amy Kroll, said, I do not have access to her iPad password, but Imran does. Bonoski, just give AK the cell phone for Imran. Kroll, just spoke to Imran. Call me whenever you get back and I'll update you. So, Imran Awan has access to Debbie Washerman Schultz's email username and password. Therefore, he has access to the emails that were later leaked to WikiLeaks. His name was Seth Rich. Who knows? But it doesn't seem like it was the Russians. Washerman Schultz staffer Rosalind Kumar, May 12, 2016, email, quote, Pelosi is doing a closed-door meeting. No staff or anyone allowed. Caitlin, come to Rayburn Room and get her iPad for Imran. 12-year house office IT manager Pat Sowers. Sort of refreshing change in nomenclature. He said, I don't know what they have, but they have something on someone. It's been months at this point. Something is rotten in Denmark, the Hamlet reference. The number of offices they had would definitely be suspicious. The loyalty members had coupled with customer service that wasn't there. I love the Hill, but to see this clear lack of concern over what appears to be a major breach bothers me. Everyone has said for years they were breaking the rules. 
but it's just been a matter of time. So I think what he's saying, I'm going to paraphrase, I think what he's saying is they were dealing with the IT concerns of so many offices, even though they really didn't have any customer service and a lot of times they weren't there, right? So how could it possibly make any sense that these guys would have all of this success with the congressional Democrats if they really weren't around much, didn't have good customer service? Why would they be so prevalent everywhere? Yes, that's an important question. So, during a May 17, 2017 hearing on Congress's administrative budget, Florida Representative Debbie Wisherman Schultz, a few Florida voters, happily admitted to violating House information security policy. Florida Representative Debbie Washerman Schultz says, If a member is using an application outside of the House infrastructure and the protection of, the, of our cybersecurity network, they're in violation of House policy? House Information Security Officer John Ramsey. Of the House Policy 17, yes, ma'am. Schultz, so members are not supposed to be using Dropbox? Ramsey, not according to the policy. Schultz, I'm more than happy to admit that I use Dropbox. I've used it for years and years and years. It's not blocked. I'm fully able to use it. So there is a vulnerability in our network in spite of the fact that you say that you've taken steps to address it. There is not enough of a, um, of a policy that, that applies across the board. And you need to make sure that you tighten up your rules and policies so you can really take and assure us that you take seriously protecting our network. Ah, there's a Democrat taking full responsibility again. It's your fault you didn't drop, you didn't block Dropbox. It's not my fault for using it. I mean, surely you get training on this stuff. (sighs) I guess sometimes it doesn't take or you don't listen or maybe you're compromised and it doesn't matter. See, one stuff gets to the cloud... Like, if people have your password, right, if, if these IT workers uh, from Pakistan, if they had her password for Dropbox or other things, once it goes onto the cloud, give somebody else the password, give somebody else the username, boom, Bob's your uncle. They can just get whatever they want. It's not quite as bad as putting it in your washroom, like in your toilet or in a barn, like your server. Actually, you know what? It is, it's worse because, well... <laughs> It's on the cloud. No, uh, no, dis, uh, no disrespect to Dropbox. It's a fine service. but On May 18th, 2017, Debbie Washerman Schultz spent several minutes during a public Capitol police budget meeting berating and later threatening Capitol Police Chief Matthews, sorry, Matthew Verderosa over unreturned equipment related to the Awan investigation. Now, you should watch this. You should just do a search for this. Uh, Schultz and... Verderosa, it's kind of chilling. Washington Schultz is one of eight members on the Committee on Appropriations Legislative Branch Subcommittee, which controls the Capitol Police budget, right? So she controls the budget. She's haranguing the police chief about something, and that's kind of a conflict of interest, I would say. Well, what in this is not a conflict of interest? So, Schultz says, this is Florida Representative Debbie Washerman Schultz says, if the member loses the equipment, says they lose the equipment, and it is found by the Capitol Police, it is supposed to be returned. Police Chief Matthew Verderosa says, if ownership has been established, it will be returned. If it is subject to an ongoing investigation, there are additional things that need to be, Schultz, not an ongoing investigation related to the member. If the equipment belongs to the member, it has been lost. They say it's been lost and it's been identified as that member, then the Capitol Police is supposed to return it, correct? Verderosa, it's not a, a, 
I can't give a yes or no answer on that because I know, Schultz, it's a simple yes or no answer. If a member loses equipment and it is found by the Capitol Police or your staff and identified as that member's equipment and the member is not associated with any case and that is their equipment, it is supposed to be returned. Yes or no? Federosa, it depends on the circumstances. Schultz, I don't understand how that's possible. Member's equipment is member's equipment. Under my understanding, the Capitol Police is not able to confiscate member's equipment when the member is not under investigation. It is their equipment and it is supposed to be returned. <laughs> just just two things. Um, first of all, now you see Wasserman uh, uh, Schultz is really, really into rules. Got to follow the rules. Dropbox, privacy, security, confidentiality. Eh, doesn't matter. It's your fault. I'm not following the rules because you let me break the rules. So now she's really, really into the rules. I also wanted to point out how much fun it is in a macabre way, how much fun it is in a calf gas kind of way, watching a Democrat argue very strenuously for property rights. The police chief, Matthew Ver, uh, Verderosa, replies, well, I think there is extenuating circumstances in this case. And I think working through my counsel and the necessary personnel, if that is in fact the case, then with the permission of through the investigation, we'll return the equipment. But until that's accomplished, I can't return the equipment. Schultz, I think you're violating the rules when you conduct your business that way, and you should expect that there will be consequences. Yeah, yeah, there will be consequences. Yeah, try saying that to a cop who pulls you over for a speeding ticket. See how that goes. On July 19th, 2017, it was reported that investigators have been unable to examine contents of the equipment to which Washerman Schultz was Referring, after months of refusals to cooperate, Washerman Schultz is reportedly, quote, negotiating with Capitol Police over whether she will allow them access to the equipment. Right, so this is IT equipment that's in an ongoing investigation, to my understanding, and the police need access to it, and she's like, nope, uh, to be in Congress. Do you not want to obey the law, come across the border illegally, or get into Congress for the most part? Does Washerman Schultz have login information that the Capitol Police need to access the systems? Apparently not. Fox News reported that Capitol Police were unable to access the laptop without Washerman Schultz's consent based on the Constitution's speech and debate clause. Fox News reports, The clause in part bars law enforcement from interfering in lawmakers' official congressional business. The clause was designed to keep law enforcement from targeting lawmakers for their political views or legislative work. That's right. That's the job of the IRS. Everybody get back in their corners. During her time as the DNC chairman, Washerman Schultz also refused to allow the FBI to examine the supposedly hacked DNC servers, but the lack of objective information didn't slow down the Russia hacked the election narrative. A little bit of a pattern here. There were no problems. I'm not going to let you examine the IT stuff. There were problems. Russia hacked us. Not going to allow you to examine the IT stuff. Ugh. And this speech and debate clause, like, nobody can figure out why on earth this could be reasonably invoked, but I leave all that to the lawyers. So, February 2017, the investigation begins, or is announced. May 2017, it was reported that Imran Awan's wife, Hina Alvi, removed the couple's children from school, listed several of their American properties for sale, and fled to Pakistan as the criminal investigation became public. Awan's stepmother, Samina Galani, she's back, 
She says, I came to know from one of the relatives that Hina Alvi and her daughter are moved to Pakistan. Hina Alvi saying, we have moved here in Pakistan permanently. On July 23rd, 2017, Luke Rosiak from the Daily Caller provided an exclusive report which raises even more questions about the Awan family scandal. And I quote, Shortly after the criminal probe was revealed in February, Imran abruptly moved out of his longtime home on Hawkshead Drive in Lorton, Virginia, and listed it for rent on a website that connects landlords with military families. Apparently one of the tenants was a Marine Corps officer who found, quote, wireless routers, hard drives that looked like they tried to destroy, laptops, and a lot of brand new expensive toner. It was in the garage. They recycled cabinets and lined them along the walls. They left in a huge hurry. It looks like government-issued equipment. We turned that stuff over. Rusiak reports that the Marine called the authorities and eventually the FBI and Capitol. Police arrived to question him and confiscate the equipment. The report continued with the Marine alleging that Imran even threatened to sue the new renter in a desperate attempt to get back the hard drives and equipment in question. What is it with Democrats just smashing technology? I mean, you've got Hillary Clinton smashing phones with a hammer, bleach bitting the the server uh, hard drives, and now you've got like a wall full of, I mean, look at these photos. It's like a wall full of uh, probably government-issued computers and laptops and so on, all smashed up. (sighs) <sighs> nothing spells innocence like bits in the air. The Marine relayed his disgust over the situation to Ruziak, quote, I served in the Marine Corps for 14 years. If I downloaded files to an offsite server, I'm going to prison for a lot of years. There's no way they could get this far without help. He's dangerous, the Marine said. This is a crime syndicate that has successfully infiltrated Congress. If Donald Trump and the Republicans had hired foreign nationals to be their top IT guys and somehow their congressional files had been compromised, this would have been all over the news. And of course it's not all over the news, because it's Democrats. The mainstream media is just this big fog and cover-up machine for Democrat crimes. Radio silence, we talked earlier. 37 seconds on mainstream media networks, on television, on this issue. And uh, meanwhile, of course, you, you, it's hour after hour after hour after hour after hour of Russia hacked the election. Donald Trump's ties to Russia. Donald Trump's junior ties to Russia. He had a meeting. It's literally like somebody on a boat whose leg just got chewed off by a shark saying, I don't know, I think I might have a sliver. Crazy people. Wow. Crazy is the nicest way of putting it. Yeah, all, all the media is reporting on is a is bank fraud. Well, we'll get to that. On July 24th, 2017, ah, now we're getting up to the present day, Imran Awan was stopped at the Dulles airport after the FBI noticed that he had purchased a ticket to Pakistan via Qatar. Imran was charged with bank fraud related to fraudulently taking out mortgages for rental property despite claiming they were for a primary residence. The affidavit does not mention anything related to the congressional IT investigation. Now, While the bank fraud allegations are incredibly serious, it appears these charges were filed to prevent Imran Awan from leaving the country. The affidavit noted that on January 18, 2017, Imran pretended to be his wife and attempted to wire $283,000 to Pakistan for funeral arrangements before changing his reason to buying property after the credit union representative balked at his explanation. Yeah, sure, funeral arrangements, because we're shooting him into space in a 
diamond coffin. And when you think about it, this is really quite an amazing comeback. Remember, he declared bankruptcy in 2012. But then Awan somehow has $283,000 to send to Pakistan. That's, well, that's a rocky story kind of comeback, don't you think? Now, one can't help but wonder if Imran Awan's strange phone call is related to an experience described by attorney Elizabeth Lee Beck, who with her husband Jared Beck are the legal team involved in a class action lawsuit against the Democratic National Committee and Debbie Washerman Schultz. Quote, At 4.54pm today, June 1st, an individual calls our law office from 305-936-5724. The caller refused to identify himself slash herself, but asked my secretary about the Wilding et al. v. DNC et al. lawsuit. My secretary stated that it sounded like the caller was using a voice changer because the voice sounded robotic and genderless along the lines of the voice changers used when television show interviews are kept anonymous. She goes on to say, The caller concluded with, Okie dokie. I guess it would be, Okie dokie. After my secretary gave the caller public information about the case, after the call ended, a simple Google search of the phone number, 305-936-5724, shows that it is the phone number for Congresswoman Debbie Washerman Schultz's Aventura office. What just occurred is highly irregular, and we will be filing the instant email with the court forthwith. That's amazing. She may have masked her voice, trying to get information about a lawsuit against her, but didn't mask her number. District of Columbia U.S. Attorney's Office spokesman Bill Miller said, Imran Awan was arraigned today in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia on one count of bank fraud in violation of 18 U.S.C. 1344. He pled not guilty and was released, pursuant to a high-intensity supervision program. The conditions of release are that he receive a GPS monitor, he abide by a curfew of 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., and that he not leave a 50-mile radius of his residence in Virginia. Awan was also ordered to turn over all of his passports. I don't know, I have this this vision of a a truck backing up. Beep, beep, here come the passports. (sighs) I mean, I I don't know anything about this aspect of the law, but (laughs) maybe he's been released so the Clintons can find him. I don't know. So, of course, Representative Debbie Washerman Schultz spokesman David Damron reported that Imran was finally fired by the former DNC chair. Mr. Awan previously served as a part-time employee, but his services have been terminated. So she hung on to him and paid him until the actual day he was arrested. What does he have on her? I'm going to go with everything. I mean, it's clear, clearly trying to, oh, I didn't know that guy, part-time employee just passed through. I think he changed the water filter once. Come on. So this is a monstrous, massive, decade-plus horrifying scandal of potentially criminal infiltration of congressional networks, highly secret, highly secure, highly classified information, emails, potential for blackmail, you name it. It is a monstrous, massive, brain-sucking black hole of an ethical void scandal. Hey, how's the mainstream media reporting on this? Let's turn the page and find out, shall we? (laughs) The Washington Post said, 
congressional IT staffer charged with home equity loan fraud. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. CNN said, Democratic staffer arrested on bank fraud charge. And, And you know why they did that? So they can say, hey, man, we covered it. We're not biased. Now, quick question, just just out of curiosity. Let's say you're some part-time IT worker. Not, you know, really that important. Not important enough for anyone really to report on anything. You're just kind of some fly-by-night IT guy who works part-time for a congresswoman. And let's say you get into legal trouble. What kind of lawyer do you think you might get? Some public defender, you know, harassed 12 briefcases under each arm and so on? Ah, interesting question. Well, now, Imran Awan's lawyer is Chris Gower. Now, he's a longtime associate of both Bill and Hillary Clinton. With his official biography noting that, he, quote, left the public defender's office to work for former President William Jefferson Clinton and then Senator Hillary Clinton. Chris was a fact-checker for President Clinton's memoir, My Life. Wow. Part-time worker, bank fraud charges, but boy, oh boy, just look at the lawyer he got on. Is this lawyer just sitting around waiting for I don't know, I'm not that busy. Hey, okay, I'll take on this part-time worker. Oh, it's so transparent. You really have to work hard to not see what's right in front of you. So, let us give the word to attorney Chris Gowan, who said, The attacks on Mr. Awan and his family began as part of a frenzy of anti-Muslim bigotry in the literal heart of our democracy, the House of Representatives. For months, we have had utterly unsupported, outlandish and slanderous statements targeting Mr. Awan coming not just from the ultra-right-wing Pizzagate media, but from sitting members of Congress. Now we have the Justice Department show up with a complaint about disclosures on a modest real estate matter. To To an extent, the situation speaks for itself. Uh, Not to an extent that you can't charge a lot for that kind of hourly work. Chris Gowan goes on to say, Mr. Awan's family is presently staying with extended family in Pakistan because he and his wife were both abruptly and unjustly fired, leaving them without a reliable source of income to pay typical U.S. living expenses and because extremist right-wing bloggers were beginning to harass them and their children, even going to their children's schools. Mr. Awan has stayed in the U.S. to earn some income to manage this situation as best as possible. He attempted to travel this week to see his family for the first time in months. The government had been informed he would travel and had stated no objection, yet on Monday night he was hastily arrested at Dulles Airport. Because we are confident in the integrity of the U.S. justice system, we are confident that Mr. Awan will soon be able to clear his name and get on with his life. Neither Mr. Awan nor his wife have ever had any intention to flee the United States. They are U.S. citizens who have built a full life and have a strong community life in the country. They will stand and fight whatever charges are presented. Once they have prevailed, we will have a chance to more closely examine the ugly political and media dynamics that have driven this controversy from the beginning. Boy, those are some, I assume, fairly expensive and very well-connected syllables there. So, this is a very big deal. Where does this go? How far can this be traced? Who knows? Who knows if the logs will ever be examined? Who knows if significant IT experts will ever have a chance to examine these servers or any kind of trace, any kind of tracks? Who knows if this guy, even after he was barred from the computers, was able to get back in through his uh, relationship as a 
consultant with Wasserman Schultz uh, to, to cover his tracks. Who knows? But there were 80 offices that were open to these family members. Information was sent off-site. Who has what information about what? Who knows? We're talking about foreign influences on U.S. political elections, on the U.S. political process. You've got people from Pakistan and people from Iraq, I mean, Iranian-born parents. I mean, are you kidding me? According to his stepmom, Awan was really good at bugging people and recording their conversations, getting in on their in-office or in-home conversations and also on the phone and who knows. Are we really to believe that it's completely impossible that any of this stuff might have happened in Congress? I mean, the Dems claimed to be really concerned with cyber espionage. Remember Hillary Clinton saying cyber espionage on the part of Russia will be considered an act of war. Very concerned about cyber espionage. And this is who they hire for their IT guys? Are you kidding me? I don't know what you're talking about. It's been a month. It could be the biggest breach of security and, and political information in the history of the Republic. But I, I, I think everything's secure and I have no idea. Yeah, maybe this guy seems to have access to the information related to the WikiLeaks leak. That seems uh, important. And look, someone with like admin permissions on a network, I, mean, I don't know. They can do just about anything they want. They can copy, access, change metadata. They can install Trojans, viruses, spyware, malware, you name it. So this is going to be very big. This is going to be very big. It's been going on since the early to mid-2000s. And it is shocking how terrible the Democrats are with military matters and national security. It is shocking how terrible they are. And again, I'm an old hand at this. I've been looking at this stuff for a long time. I'm shocked that I'm shocked, but still, I'm shocked. This is abhorrent on just about every conceivable level. Even if nothing was taken, if nothing, if everything comes out perfectly squeaky clean, man, that is taking a significant risk. People involved with foreign um, foreign political figures uh, lending them money for their businesses. We've got bankruptcies. We've got uh, massive family disputes. We've, I mean, what a huge risk to take, even if nothing happened. It was unconscionably irresponsible to pursue this stuff. Now, where is this going to go? It's, of course, impossible to say at this point. The only hope that we have is that Wasserman Schultz is not a big, big fish like Hillary. I mean, it's the U.S. The big fish get away. The U.S. law is like a weird net. It's a weird fishing net, right? Catches the little fish. The big fish all get away. She's somewhat of an underling. So there's some chance that the investigation might move forward, but uh, I don't know where it could possibly lead will there be proof that anything was transferred out or overseas or to where it seems unlikely again i'm no expert in this area but it seems unlikely that any of this will be figured out but this information is out there now the information about what's happened and the potentialities of the breaches and the potential blackmail and and everything horrifying that is uh, could have been going on over the past decade decade and a half among the Democrats in in Congress and and elsewhere. And so if this stalls out, if this gets blocked, if this gets slow-walked to oblivion, 
I don't even know what the reaction of the American population is going to be. I mean, the law enforcement in America has taken a lot of credibility blows lately. And if all of these people get away, if there are no negative repercussions, even for the stuff that is known, and if there is no particular capacity to access information that might lead down to more serious issues arising and possibly being proven to a grand jury and in a court of law, if they get away again, I genuinely believe that the mainstream acceptance of the rule of law in America will die a strange and sad death. And there will be massive amounts of contempt for the legal system. And then, if people don't believe in the legal system anymore, the society can't fundamentally function. They can't. Because then everyone's like, well, like these guys, what can I get away with? What can I, how can I manipulate the system to my own benefit, to my own, what can I get away with? Not what's right, what's moral, not that the laws reflect something just and good in society. But what can I get away with? It's a game of cat and mouse. I have no respect for the opponent. They have no respect for me. We're just going to see what we can get away with. Boom! Society is done. The cost of enforcing social norms and social standards. You can only have a society when the majority of people regulate themselves. You cannot have a society if everyone's trying to get everything they can legally get away with because citizens outnumber the cops vastly, enormously, significantly, and the courts can't handle any significant load. So if people stop respecting the law, the law becomes toothless. When the law becomes toothless, street justice Manipulation, bribery, corruption become the de facto lawlessness of the land. So I genuinely believe if this, which is being promulgated out throughout the non-mainstream media, media outlets, if this goes nowhere, if this leads nowhere, if there are no consequences to any of this, the Republic currently hanging by a thread is going to fall.